This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hugh Virtual Chat. I'm Tracy Koga, and I am so happy that today we are celebrating our 30th show. And if you ask me six months ago or five months ago, however it was, actually on April 7th was our first show, that this would continue this long, I would say probably not. But in this course of time, I have met so many amazing women. So I sent out a mass email to everyone and everybody's got their busy schedules. But uh, I'm so happy though that for everybody that came today, it means so much. And you know what? I think we are going to continue on these chats because uh, I think a lot of women feel that they're very important and we're able to talk, do the real talk. So let's welcome all of our guests to our 30th show. And it's all going to be about what everybody has gained and learned. Oh my goodness. I love that background. Cynthia. Oh, <laughs> hello. Hola. Oh, and Susie and hi. And hi, Jess. Hi, Robin. Love the tie. Super, super <laughs> cool. Hey, and there's Kirsten. Hello. Hello. Here for a few weeks. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Nanette. Uh, Primrose is joining us. So uh, welcome, everybody. I know that there's a lot more women that have joined in these chats over the 30 weeks. This is our 30th show. And it's all because of you, each and every one of you, that have been so loyal. Oops, and I hear a ding. Um, that have been so loyal and we've been able to have like, I think, some amazing conversations that normally I don't think I know I wouldn't have and I've learned so much. So this is going to be a little bit about how life has been, what you, what's your takeaway from, from all, all of this, including this virtual chat and I guess how your lives have changed. I mean, we started this April 7th. We're now September 1st. And oh, by the way, Cynthia, it's already fall. It's like August 31st, it's a cutoff date, the sun goes down, the leaves start changing, and it is effing cold outside. <laughs> and just like last week, we were like complaining, it's so hot, it's so hot. So uh, it's Winnipeg. Love it or leave it, right? <laughs> so I'm gonna start with Cynthia because you have been our, our guest abroad, you know, our our wonderful connection to the world outside. So how have you been? How is summer? And I guess through all of this being able to join in our chats, you've been amazing. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I am blessed that at least for the next five days, I'm still in this tropical paradise of Medellin, Colombia. Um, I love, I was supposed to be in split Croatia, which is the background behind me. Um, and I'm actually headed to London, England. So I'm actually moving north. Um, 
but heading back to the land of my birth to establish, but also to reestablish my Irish citizenship um, as a part of living this nomadic life. And, you know, it has been interesting during this cycle with, um, you know, these virtual hue chats and connecting with everyone is really, it's all happened at the same time as I've been working on my own personal growth. Um, it's, I consider it the gift of COVID is that it's given me the time to slow things down and to really do some deep work, have some very difficult conversations and realizations with myself and, um, you know, ready to kind of move on to another stage of that. Um, and hopefully um, the hue and the relationships continue to move on as I continue to find the new path of growth and uh, enlightenment along the way. Oh, you know that we're always going to be here for you. I mean, yeah. I was going to ask you quickly now, moving back to London, England, I mean, yeah, I guess it's always in the back of your mind, right? Safety and, and health and everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've, it, and there's still up to 24 to 48 hours. There's no guarantee flights will happen. Um, we've already gone through that once in the last week. Um, we've rebooked alternate routes. I, actually, I'm traveling through the United States. Um, so I, I hope that that goes okay and doesn't um, cause difficulty going through Florida, which has been a very hot state. Um, but that's where the layover is. So um, yeah, we'll kind of go with the universe. We've set our intention. Um, I believe the universe has heard us and we'll just put our faith and trust in, in our beliefs that this is going to happen and we're dealing with it. If not, I'm here till December. So that I've already decided. Yeah. That's the way life is. <laughs> oh, oh, I want to um, now. Oh, hi, Primrose. How are you doing, Primrose? Hey, how's that book going? Off mute. Okay, I'm off mute. Uh, yeah. It's going really well. I'm almost finished. I had to ask, ask for an extension, but I'm the one who set my own deadline. So, <laughs> um, so, so it's okay if I extend my own deadline. Yes. Um, can't give any details yet, but I'm very, very excited about it. Well, very, quickly, because I think, uh, I don't know if Cynthia doesn't know about it. I know for sure Jess doesn't. So maybe just kind of do a little overview of your book. Um, I was approached by a publishing company back in the spring and they wanted to have, have more diverse voices. Um, my head has been in uh, the food space lately because I have a food blog on Instagram. I'll plug myself, peg on a plate on Instagram. Um, and because my head was in that spot, I was going to feature restaurants and I wanted to talk about the immigrant experience about coming to Manitoba and uh, looking at uh, how they came here in that journey. Then COVID happened. And so that was put on hold because I couldn't go out to meet people. And um, a lot of these older restaurant owners don't have access to computers, Zoom, or unsure about the technology. And so I put it on hold. I wasn't sure what else I could do. And then I came up with the idea July. And I'm just trying to flesh it out. And I'm about 90% through writing. I can't give any details yet. I don't want to jinx myself by um, uh, revealing what I'm doing uh, publicly yet, but I will give some details soon. But I looks like I'm going to possibly have a novel published. Um, and the company is very interested. 
Oh my God, that is so good. You know, see, look at, there's, there's, there's good in all of this craziness, right? <laughs> this, this year has been a really good year for me writing wise. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm also a playwright. Um, and I've been contacted by theaters regarding um, diverse voices and, uh, it's just a very exciting time, I and mean, it's a shame that it had to be born out of tragedy, that people are more willing to listen. Um, but I'm excited for the doors that opens. Yeah. Oh well, we can hardly wait. Maybe uh, I can get like an exclusive then, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, and so happy to see you, and welcome, Jessica. Um, again, you and Hani have been like. Through all of this, I mean, so wonderful to meet you and, and to learn about what your group and your organization is doing. So, I mean, and you know what, and comment too, personally, Jessica, on how this has all kind of affected you too. So, what's summer been like? Yeah, thank you so much for having us on. We've come on a couple times through our uh, COVID-19 anti-racism campaign. Um, we've had a couple of our staff, or a few of our staff now, um, so I just want to give a big thank you to all of you um, and Tracy for hosting this type of platform. Um, our first time on the show was right after we launched our campaign in May. And even just from the conversation and many of the, the um, women here, I actually learned so much. Like, Susie, you talked about the co-conspirator rather than the ally. And I was just like mind blown and then just went on this like, this is what we have to do. Um, so it really did, having this platform to kind of talk things through really did shape the way we ended up taking the campaign and not just focusing on surface level stuff. So I really appreciated having these conversations. And we built some connections that have been instrumental to our campaign through this platform. So uh, it's been really, really helpful for us from the beginning. But um, Really, when we started that campaign, you know, we thought we would be creating some resources, putting on a couple of events and partnerships with other organizations, um, and, you know, denouncing the COVID-related racism that was happening. Um, and then, you know, the current global context with George Floyd's death and murder, and then people like, awakening to realize that systematic racism and uh, overt racism exists in, throughout Canada and in the US and throughout the globe um, really did shape our campaign into being much bigger than we could have anticipated. So I think I was counting the other day and we've maybe had nine events um, like lunch and learns, trainings, um, coffee chats. Uh, we've created a few different types of resources, built partnerships with other networks across the country um, and it's been yeah I it it's a really interesting time to have started this type of work because people are actually open and interested in learning more um, but what that's meant is we have a lot of work to do so uh, it's not stopping here we're, we're starting to plan we just finished some uh, lunch and lunch and learn series in the summer so we're gonna and those lunch and learns went over pretty well. So I think we're gonna do them in the fall as well. We have some anti-racism training coming up in the fall. So uh, 
it kind of just, uh, yeah, I guess I just want to say thank you for kind of bringing us on the show and letting us talk about our campaign and really helping us out to get the word out um, and giving us really good feedback and um, teaching us every time that we've come on. So thank you. Uh, well, no, and well, we thank you, but um, I just wanted to ask too, because you've been now, you've expanded your circle. What has been the reaction from people, like, you know, coming to your events, uh, you know, you know, what kind of conversations have been sparked? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think what I've learned is people are at different, um, let's say, spectrums of their understanding of racism. So um, I think we've had our, our more intimate events, intimate, I guess, when we've had our lunch and learns, we did them in person, all socially distanced, but they were a bit smaller. So 25 to 40 people in a park. Um, those went over really well because we could have more in-depth personal conversations. So we'd always go around in a circle and have people ask questions or sh share their experiences. Um, so those settings where we could have safe conversations, I could feel kind of the, the growth and had feedback that people really did learn and take from that and want to learn more and search for more um, ways that they could incorporate anti-racism into their lives. Um, we did have bigger trainings virtually with like 200, pe 200 people. And um, it's hard with those type of events because people are really on, like some people don't even understand what racism is in a definition. Um, while some people may have more, they have lived experience or have studied it. So in those bigger settings where you have 200 people, it's hard to make sure everybody is fully engaged the whole time. Um, but we, I really do feel that um, kind of having those different platforms, so some more intimate, some more bigger virtual, or having those resources has been, uh, folks have been really open to having those type of conversations. And a lot of people are asking a lot more questions. Um, so another really cool thing about that's come from our campaign is that we, partnered with Elmwood Community Resource Center to actually create a racial trauma counseling and support program. So um, we were noticing that in, in Winnipeg and in Manitoba, most people when they were actually targeted, um, like had experienced racism, they would go to um, their ethnocultural community leaders or they go to their friends, um, go to their family. Um, but there wasn't a place where somebody would be able to like sit down and maybe and counsel them and maybe have some of the trauma informed support uh, available. So we, um, Elmwood Community Resource Center, um, is are kind of already experts in trauma counseling. So we partnered with them to create an, this service because we saw there was a bit of a gap. So um, that was kind of great to be able to now, if folks are comfortable with talking about it, um, and getting some cultural empowerment support, there's a place that they can go. Um, but I guess overall, I felt that the, uh, it's, a, it's a tragic time um, as we, people are now realizing finally what's been going on to society forever, um, but also a really positive time because people are open to actually questioning themselves and learning more and actually incorporating anti-racism in their, in their lives. So, 
we've had a pretty good feedback from the campaign so far. No like blatant attacks on social media, which has been good. Um, yeah, wow. No, that's that's amazing. And I think that's a good segue to Robin and Charlotte and Kirsten and what they do because, hey, mental health, whoa, <laughs> mental illness. You never said that, well, or talked about that, right? And we all are living, you know, with some shape and form of fear, anger, depression, you name it. And uh, so Robin, I guess... How has summer been, you know, whatever summer is or was, and I mean, as we head into fall, and who, boy, schools, well, we'll get to schools with Susie <laughs> in a moment, but uh, yeah, I mean, mental health and wellness. Um, I think, I think one of the things that we're seeing at the moment, and like worldwide, because I'm connected to like people in the mental health sector across the world. And people said, you know, there was a bit of a, like there was a lot of anxiety and depression and like people were trying to like dig their way through it. And I think people were in a place where they were like, well, you know, it's only going to be this long. Um, what we're seeing across from talking to my counterparts, what we're seeing is people are, are getting, um, some people are starting to call it COVID fatigue and they're dropping lower because they're like, we thought it was going to be five or six months and it's not. You know, when when we started, people were like, I'm anxious because I don't know how long this is going to be and I've lost my job or you know, we're out of work for a set time and we've started to come back, but people are in this kind of, not a, like it's a second wave of mental health stuff where they're going, I have no idea when this is going to end and I don't know what this looks like. And it, it's been interesting, right? In some places, there's been an increase in suicide, mm -hmm. which I'm like, yeah, I, I get that totally. New Zealand just had the lowest suicide stats in like decades. And then I look at what New Zealand's done in terms of COVID and I go, hmm, is there a correlation? Like having done some public health, I know cause and effect, like we don't really know, but I'm like, it's interesting to kind of just look at that. But but in terms of this for me, I think what I've seen is, and I was thinking about this earlier, it's like the good, the bad, and the ugly of people. Like we've seen people step up in a way that maybe they've never stepped up in a way before because they went like we're battling a similar thing, even though we're coming at it from different places. We've got like people who are like, this is just a conspiracy. What the hell are you talking about? Um, and then we've got people who like are just doing outrageous things like spitting on other people. And, and I, I guess for me, I've watched the world slow down and I'm really looking at like people now and, and who are 
people and recognizing like like who are phenomenal people but then I'm also looking at those other people who are doing some outrageous things going what's happening with their mental health and what's happened in their background that has them choose to do that and so there's this kind of weird compassion and empathy for me for wherever people are at um and some days I just want to be mad about it all and I'm like that's actually not going to change it so how do I show compassion and empathy for everyone even if they're not showing it at that time because you know as Jessica said I don't know what their backgrounds are I don't know what their traumas are but but I think in terms of this I, I saw some people requesting that we start to ask the World Health Organization and governments to look at adding more money to mental health. And we've had this big discussion about, is it about adding money to mental health or looking at society and how we support society as a whole with everything rather than just going, it's about mental health because the things that occur in society are the things that impact our mental health. I don't know. It's just rambling. Did that make sense? <laughs> well, well, you know, it, it, it all does. It all does. And, and you, you have managed to always, yeah, find the silver lining in anything, even if it means a bit of humor. And, and humor can be actually some pretty darn good medicine every once in a while. But, uh, yeah, so all things considered, Susie. <laughs> Uh, she says, uh, yeah, so, um, I mean, if we're talking about getting things back to normal and what normal is and we've done all that, family, your kids, now it's going back to school, you know, a week from today, are your kids going? Yeah, so they are set to go, um, but, you know, I mean, so for example, New York Public Schools just delayed their start to September 21st uh, as of this morning. So, I mean, we go right back to what we were just talking about with Robin about how people don't really know what's happening. So, we are living in um, unprecedented times in terms of we don't know what's happening really. And this um, uncertainty is, it's upsetting. It's upsetting and it's not normal for us. We're used to knowing how things work. You know, first comes A, then comes B. And that cause and effect thing is very, the word I used the other day in my girlfriend and, uh, and my conversation was unmoored. You know, so we're just kind of, you know, floating along, trying to navigate the best that we can. But we don't know when the next port is. We don't know when the next stop is. And that's very unsettling for a lot of people. So in terms of, uh, you know, fatigue and that just means like emotional fatigue psychological fatigue parents are experiencing it teachers are definitely experiencing it right now anybody who's working in a school system and of course our kids are so yesterday we took the kids out uh, we went for a walk and went to get some french fries here locally and um, we're standing there waiting for our order this is an out outside kiosk and my little one who's 10 she looks up at me and she says mama when is this going to be over and I'm looking at her sweet little face and I'm just like, you know what, baby? I said, I don't know. I said, I really don't know. And I said, we're doing, everybody's doing the best that they can. But I said, 
I wish I had an answer for you. And that's my, that might not be the answer everybody would give, but that's how I am with my kids. I, I like to be very um, honest and forthright with them so that they know what what's happening really to keep them as informed as they can be and manage their expectations in those in in their tiny frames of reference as best as they can and for me to say oh it's going to be over soon everything's going to be fine well that's a lie at this point we don't know that so i prefer to um present them with facts and i can be the optimist for them and they can cry to me and that's where I'm at as far as school is concerned, as far as Halloween is concerned. <laughs> like all these people who are excited about Halloween, I'm like, I think it's adorable that you think we're gonna make it to Halloween. But you know, it's one of those things where I'm literally taking things day by day. And I know I've been saying that since April, since our first broadcast on this Zoom, but it's really true. And I'm just trying to get through uh, the information as it comes to me. And again, big kudos to everybody all the parents advocating for their kids in the school system right now, all the teachers that are advocating for our kids and for themselves. And um, I hope that, uh, that all, of the, all of the steps that we've taken so far will lead to a safe and healthy school year. But if it doesn't, I'm sure our teachers will do their best to pivot us like they did in March. They did an amazing job. So fingers crossed, everything crossed, hoping for the best, but also slightly preparing for the worst. Well, yeah, I know. And Charlotte and Kirsten, maybe too, um, like Susie said, and, and we all are, it's just not knowing and it's the, what you can't predict. And it does get very, very tiring. And so I'm sure, you know, as, as peer support workers and hearing from parents and now with this whole school situation, like we've been hearing that, you know, the teachers, teachers are actually losing their classrooms so they can have, you know, do the social distancing, but they could potentially be teaching something totally different at another school. So like, this, this is all this turmoil and they have to figure this all out in, in a week, you know, because it still is up in the air. Well, and some schools, like we're at September, September 1st, some schools are only putting out their plans by this Friday. Like there is, there's still so much uncertainty. Uh, there's gonna be um, shifts in schools. One of my girlfriends did uh, a piece for uh, media yesterday talking about how her daughter is switching from, switching from French over to an English school, but she's gonna continue her French program within that school. So how does she get ready for that? But you know, what are we supposed to do? You know, we, we just kind of have to adapt as best as we can, take a deep breath and just be kind and compassionate to everybody that's trying to work within this system that we're seeing maybe didn't really work that great in the first place. So maybe we can build a better system from this. Yeah, well, I think again, it's like, it's, it's gonna change. Robin, you wanted to add something before? I did, I did, I forgot to say. Sorry, Charlotte and Kirsten, bad luck. Um, I forgot to say there's a peer service in the US just thinking about support for people that we sometimes forget, right? There's a peer service in North Carolina just got funding to do a peer support group for COVID survivors because of that, some of the long-term impacts for people and what they've gone through, whether it be like minor or whether it be long-term in hospital. And I was just like, I've, I've got to say, that's one thing I think a part of the US did well. They set up a group where people can 
share those experiences. And I can't imagine what it would be like to have gone through that. Um, and so I, I just wanted to share that because there's some things like that that we're seeing turn up too, which are pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we forget the, the victims of, from who have suffered from COVID too as well. But uh, yeah, we're going to come to you now, Charlotte and Kirsten. Sort of like... I was just going to put a question back to... Yeah. To Susie, um, so my uh, my niece and nephew live in Florida, and they're in in um, middle school and high school down in Florida. They've gone back to school. I've been told they're wearing masks, um, but the conversation at their school is around grade thirteen. And I'm just wondering, is the Canadians are the Canadian schools starting to talk with that as well? So my my nephew who is in grade 10, he's already having that. Yeah, I think I'm gonna end up having to do grade 13. And no, I really didn't do much work since March. Um, so having some conversations around that. Susie, can you comment on that? You know, I have not heard any uh, formal discussions about anything like that, about extending school years or even um, the learning cycle to a grade 13. Um, perhaps that's happening at um, a higher government level and they just haven't uh, publicly talked about that yet. Um, I can't say that it would be surprising per se, depending on what province you're in and what your um, provincial curriculum uh, needs look like. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that are being thrown off right now, right? Like by this, by this current situation we're living in. And I think too about, you know, all those, uh, even students that are writing exams, you know, medical students, law students, like all these things that have to be rejigged and, you know, reformatted for what, what we're living in right now. So I don't have an answer for that right now, but I think it's a great question uh, for someone to ask at the next provincial presser. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Wow. I don't know how many students would like to go back and have another grade, but um, doesn't Ontario already have grade 13? Yeah. No, that was eliminated a few years ago. Oh. Yeah, so everybody's on a grade 12 system now. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, Charlotte and Kirsten, how is, how's the summer been? Well, you know, I mean, it's it's been, we've seen, at least Charlotte's been on a boat a few times. Or <laughs> boat rides. No, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you you listen and you talk to to parents and, and stuff like this, you know, working with Robin too with the mental health and wellness. And do you see a sense of tiredness and fatigue and just like, ugh? Hey, Kirsten, come off mute so we can do this together. It's funny, Kirsten and I are so many of our conversations are on the same the same uh, wavelength. Um, we're seeing a lot of, as we call battle fatigue with family members supporting um, like parents, um, siblings, just, and uh, part of what we do in our, in our family support groups that we have online on Wednesdays is just really start to get them to start thinking about self-care for themselves and um, acknowledging how tired they are and how that they need to spend some time for themselves. So we always start and finish with what are you doing for yourself? And it's really interesting to see how some parents hadn't really thought of that. Mm -hmm. And um, so they kind of ponder on it for the week. And then when they come back to the next online support group that we, peer support group that we have, um, they're excited to share with what they've done. And uh, so we've watched over the weeks, the growth in that. And, and um, there's a couple of moms that we've watched since we've been supporting them since April 
um, really have color in their face. And uh, even though their lives are really hard, um, they're looking so much better and they're seeing more clearly. And, um, and uh, we're super happy to, uh, to see that. Having said that, um, Chris and I are getting a lot of um, families reaching out right now. And uh, there's, you know, and, and we just feel that's going to keep growing and growing. Um, next, what is it, September 15th, 16th is six month mark on since COVID really impacted us. And so I think we're going to see more and more people struggling. And I'm going to let Kristen say one thing. But then the other, the one thing I had a conversation with my, my niece um, on the weekend, and I had made a comment to her early on in COVID that she may start to see some of her friends who have never shown um, any kind of struggling around anxiety or depression that they, that may be showing up. And uh, I had lunch with her on the weekend and she said, she said, Andy Charlotte, you know what, you were right. She said, some of my strongest friends are really struggling right now and, uh, and I don't know what to do. Um, so what we have at, uh, at Robin Priest Live Your Truth is some, some toolkits that came out of um, of New Zealand um, and, uh, you know, just giving her some conversation guides of, you know, languaging and how to support her friends. Cause she's really a little bit of a deer in a headlight as to, cause they're, they're not expecting it. These are my strong friends. These are the ones that always went out. These are, you know, and now, um, you know, switching that. So, so listening to that when you know, around your friends and your family members, that conversation may be coming up. Hey, Kristen, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, as always, I agree with everything Charlotte says. And when Charlotte and I are working with uh, families uh, or even having conversations with Robin and in meetings, uh, we kind of like, we, we finish each other's sentences. It's actually getting really bizarre. <laughs> but um, yeah, and you know, the families that, uh, and to touch on that a little bit more, the families that we're supporting, not only um, during our, um, our Zoom parent support groups, do we uh, ask them to check in with their own self-care and put the focus on how they're doing in their health and how they can make sure they're at their best to support their, their, um, their young person. But also, um, it, it, there's a huge part of that. It's also about our reaction in the situation and our reaction to our young person who is struggling because our anxiety is out of control. We are exhausted. We, are, we have huge battle fatigue. And if we, we do a lot of um, sharing of our experiences, um, just so we're not, that families, when they're dealing with their young people, they're not, um, they're not igniting the situation. Um, you know, just, just to uh, certain conversations, languaging, approaches, um, validation, just, just giving parents tools to have successful conversations, um, perhaps to have uh, more positive outcomes than to, um, you know, add gas to the fire because uh, they're they're in a really uncomfortable place themselves, and um, families never never really think about that because you're just trying to get through the day and just trying to survive the moment or the chaos. Um, but if we can take a step back and help those families prepare and have um, have tools to uh, have more positive outcomes in those moments, um, that is huge. Without you know, um, battle fatigue is huge right now. And um, I also wanted to say, uh, Cynthia, your tagline, um, acceptance without understanding, like that is a kind of, that's my tagline too now when I work with families, because families are often parents uh, are, are things don't make sense to them, or they just can't come on board uh, or understand. 
and and to be able to accept it without understanding and just accept and meet your your person your child where they're at um thank you for that because that um that's been a really effective tool for charlotte and i working with families love it you're so welcome well you're gonna have another one now cynthia okay to top that one <laughs> Kirsten, and maybe this is a question for uh, Kirsten and Charlotte and Robin, but um, you know, you talk about the battle fatigue and things like that, and um, you know, talking about how um, I'm answering questions when it comes to my kids about not knowing and things like that and the uncertainty. Um, one of the things that I've been thinking about in my head, and I'm not a therapist or anything like that, but to me, the reason why I answer as truthfully as I can is because these kids are already experiencing anxiety, okay? So they're, they're nervous and they don't know what's happening. They already feel this internally, right? So if me as a parent, they come to me with a question, they come to me with a comment or, you know, say, I don't know what's happening. Do we know when this is going to be over? And I say, oh, it's going to be fine. That negates that feeling that they're having inside. And that leads to more um, trust issues in terms of, well, mama said that it was going to be over and it's not. So who do I trust? Do I trust my inner uh, fear and my inner anxiety? Or do I trust the person who's supposed to love me most and look out for me and what she just told me? Those two things are in, are in uh, contest with each other, as opposed to just saying to your child, I don't know what's going to happen, but whatever happens this remains the same our family is together we're going to work through this together we're going to find the supports that we need and that we love each other and that if you're scared it's okay to be scared mama's a little bit scared too but i can be i can be there for you and you don't have to be scared you can give me your fear and i can hold on to that for you while you get to be a kid you know like that's that's kind of what i ruminate about in my head i don't want them to not be certain about what they're feeling and for me to not validate that no matter what the circumstances externally. That's how I think about it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, a little clap from Charlotte. Um, uh, just, just to also validate, that's a really good question. And um, yeah, you're, you're completely, um, again, I always, we're not counselors, we're not therapists. Uh, however, we have lived experience and we have uh, peer training and facilitator training. And when you look at the years of what that consists of um, and the hours and the years and the days, um, what if we work that out to one time, Charlotte? Um, uh, 80,000, uh, oh, I think I have 80,000 hours of uh, experience um, managing a child with mental, or supporting a child with a mental health struggle. But um, so I just wanted to touch on that because um, Susie, you're not a, um, a counselor or a therapist, but you are the mother of your children and, and there's so much value in that. So listen to your gut. Don't so do informally, that. we all are, right? As parents, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, so don't, so don't ever say I'm not a therapist or a counselor because you have more experience than anybody, especially around your children. Um, and you know, one of the things in our peer training is we, we always are, you know, reminding the peer support workers that we're training that you can't say it's going to get better because we don't know that. And, uh, and again, if you start to say that, the person you're supporting is going to not believe you. So you're bang on with what you're saying, Susie, for sure. Um, and, you know, I was uh, sending out, Kirsten and I are huge fans of Brené Brown. Um, and if you haven't seen her empathy video, the one with the cartoons, um, that's a great one to just remind yourself around languaging. So when 
you're supporting someone who is struggling, you know, validate how they're feeling and don't sugarcoat it and say, well, at least you're not homeless or at least you're, you know, blah, blah, whatever, because it's incredibly real for what they're going through. And, um, and if we can sit with them and support them in those feelings, um, you're going to have a better outcome too as well. I think one other thing to think about too um, is I love like being truthful with kids and like validating what they're going through in that because that actually builds resilience in them too. When we sugarcoat it or we go, no, it's going to be okay, like we're not supporting them to build their own resilience through this. Like, let's be real. It's not just COVID. Life happens. And life has all these, if you're a baseball fan, curveballs, and you're like, where'd that come from? And uh, I think sometimes, you know, I, I've watched some people be really gentle and try and protect kids, and I get why. But then the kid gets older and they get life and they're like, whoa, and they're not prepared at all. So I really thank you for doing that. And I encourage everyone to, to be um, respectfully real with kids, right? You don't have to throw them in at the deep end, but you want them actually to start swimming too. So, um, yeah. That's a great term. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. So oh, I was going to say, Nanette, too, I, I, just the other week or whatever, your daughter did her ballet exam. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. And I mean, I guess it was done virtually. Yes, yes, they filmed the, um, the exam and uh, it was different, very different. The anxiety level was lower because as you know, you know, they usually fly an adjudicator in. Uh, this time around, the adjudicator was not in the room. And so it was a very different atmosphere, it's a little bit more relaxed. But um, I, I found myself throughout this conversation, this last five minutes, just nodding about everything um, because I, I, raised, I raised my children the exact same way as Susie is, um, you know, because things will happen and you have to learn how to deal with it. You have to learn how to pivot. And yes, the ballet exam was a very good example of that. Um, it wasn't ideal, but you do what you can in the environment that you're, you're given this, this situation. So yeah, she, uh, she's, uh, she's very relieved it's over. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of, uh, okay, so what's the next thing? That's the, that's where we are at now. It's okay. What's next. And there is a lot of, you know, uh, um, there are a lot of unknowns definitely uh, she's going into grade 11 and she has her schedule for school um, there's still a lot of question marks there's still a lot of shifting we all have to do and and uh, our big focus in this house has always been, has been recently especially uh, what can we control what can we handle um, uh, my children are very secretive you know they're they're very open but at the same time they they're very introspective and they stay within within their you know because they think a lot about okay what's going to happen what's what's going on now and and um uh but they also like okay mom have you heard from the school yet have they sent us anything and it's like you know we can't control that right now things are changing so quickly 
and uh, I didn't know that thing about uh, New York schools having to push their like you know you have to pivot you have to shift when you when you can and um, so yeah this uh, this whole summer has been a summer of us uh, okay what can we do what can we do what have what have we pushed aside because of life that we can now look at and like, Oh, I've done some renovations here at home. And, and uh, my daughter's, you know, trying to do some workouts, like things that we can do because we, we know that there are a lot of things right now that we have to sit and wait. We just have to wait. And that brings up a lot of anxiety, but at the same time, it's like we sit, we wait, what can we do in the meantime? Um, so we don't go bonkers and, uh, <laughs> and, um, so far so good. Like my husband, uh, started teaching his classes. He teaches, uh, at Red River. So he started classes yesterday and, and so we're sort of moving along. Yes, <laughs> we're moving along, um, adjusting and sort of, yeah, hurry up and wait. Definitely Robin. <laughs> we just sort of sit there and go, okay, what's next? Okay, what's next? So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I definitely have to admit, it is a very different circumstance for me, because my son is 18, my daughter's 16. Uh, I don't have little children who, um, who, I, you know, I, I, I really honestly, kudos to all the parents with younger kids, because I don't know how I would, would be able to handle a situation like this. It's, um, it's hard. It's hard, but it's, uh, it's definitely a learning experience. You know, definitely resilience is something that, uh, we're all, we're all going through. We're all learning right now. So yeah, it's all good. <laughs> so many words, well, resilience, empathy, understanding, acceptance, patience, <laughs> yeah. safety. Your, uh, what is, what is comfortable now has changed so much and so in such a, a short time and just listening now like this whole anxiety over schools and you know and our children I'm gonna throw it out there for you ladies too has this kind of also had more of a global effect on how children react too? so like Jessica the racism you know the discrimination those are like big words that most young kids had no idea. Susie, and you've said it too, like you thought with your children, they would never ever have to go through any of this or see any of this. And I know for the ladies too. Um, how has that, do you think, affected our young people? Because they are our future. And I know we've talked about being truthful and everything like that to him, to them. Is there some, though, sort of, part of us too that we want to obviously protect our kids but how much is is too much and who's your question for tracy so or is it just well, wide open it's wide open oh yeah open. well you know i think that when your kids get to a certain age when they are aware of what's happening in pop culture um okay so if you for example my kids are uh heavily into sports my son is following, you know, things that are happening in the NBA. He knows all about, you know, uh, the protests that are happening and walking off the courts and the fields. And they're not, they're not dumb, right? They're, they're paying attention to this, uh, this social uh, activism that's happening right now. 
And uh, even if your kids aren't into sports, they still have things like BTS, you know, and all that stuff, the K-pop fans and what they're doing online and what they're um, being active about. So it's interesting in that, you know, you, you live in this world as an adult with the news and everything, but your kids are still picking up things from pop culture and social media and things like that. So then it becomes incumbent upon you to ask them, okay, what are you seeing out there? What do you know? What have you heard? And do you have any questions, you know, and let's talk about this and explore your opinions because they're, they're smart. They have opinions and they have questions, obviously, but it's interesting, interesting to ask them, okay, how did you come to that opinion? How did you come to that way of thinking? And let's talk about this. And what are you scared of? What are you questioning? I think those are all healthy, smart things that we should be asking of our children. Yeah. Tough conversations. And Charlotte, you're right. It's young and <laughs> parents with young adults and, and yes, and we have them too. And, uh, those are even more, sometimes more difficult conversations to have because they you know they have their their opinions already formed. But uh, yeah, and even um, everyday life too. It's you know, well, and we've had this discussion too. I mean, wearing a mask, not wearing a mask. Why is this an issue? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and Cynthia's nodding. So, how what is the situation in Colombia? Um, we finished what they call Pico y Cedula, which is basically a, kind of a, the days you're allowed out. Um, so the systems come to an end. They're relying on citizens to behave. Um, I think everyone knows that Colombia, like many um, countries in South America, are driven by an informal economy. Um, people have been devastated. Uh, again, I live in a very safe bubble. Um, and I know that I do, and, but you know, we get families, like entire families, kids, grandmas, parents out on the street begging, coming asking for money. And I just see, because I had been in some of the less affluent neighborhoods, the ones that are on the sides of the hills, the, the stacked upon housing, and I've seen the conditions. Um, and I can't imagine this is six months, March 13th. We went into lockdown here. Um, yeah, I, I just can't imagine in those homes compared to where I'm at, um, you know, what it's been like. And I, I have nothing but, but empathy for, you know, what everyone's been trying to do. But I also understand the safety element and as a non-Spanish speaking visitor um, that's lived here for six months. Um, I know when it's getting to the point it might be out of my depth to be safe in an environment and it's time to relocate um, for safety if for no other reason. Wow. Well, that's an interesting question uh, to add to you ladies. Uh, Cynthia talked about the bubble, and we probably have already, already created our own bubble, quote unquote, right, of people that you feel safe with now with your kids or, you know, even your older kids maybe going back to work, they're going to create their little bubble. So are we just all going to be living in little bubbles and never, ever being able to, well, and the question was asked too in the show. Uh, one of the moms said, 
her little girl says, well, can I hug my friend? And the same thing, Susie, yeah, it was heartbreaking. And she says, I don't know. I don't, she's, yeah, she says, I don't know. So is that the fact that we will never be openly friendly? Like I haven't even seen any of you in real person, <laughs> in real, real person face to face. So, and, and I would, I would love to, but am I included in your bubble? Primrose. We were, talk we were talking about our bubbles with our families and we've already decided that once school starts, our kids aren't going to see their grandparents for a while. Like we just, it, we, we have to just in case we don't know what's going to happen. We don't, we know that they're going to, they have all of the, like we, we were, we received some information from the school about how they're going to handle the cohorts. Not very much information. Uh, I'm sure they're going to try to say, don't interact, don't touch each other, but got to be realistic. Even I think my younger kid will be more likely to comply. My older kid who's 12, it might still be like, here, look at my phone and pass their phone to another kid. Like something as innocent as that, that could cause a spread, anything like that. And I worry about if they're in a cohort of 15 or 30 that's still a real, realistically a bubble of a thousand people. If you really look at their parents and their workplaces and that, we can't expose my parents who are in their 70s, um, their other set of grandparents in their 70s, both of which who have underlying conditions. Uh, we actually have a, a Jewish holiday coming up. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish. Um, we have a Jewish holiday coming up and this is supposed to be a time we're supposed to get together with the community. Um, it's being done virtually through the synagogue and we're supposed to have a family dinner. We're actually moving that up to before school starts and we're pretending that Jewish New Year is happening two weeks early because the grandparents are afraid of having the children in their house. Um, like I said, uh, I can't remember who, was, who said it, uh, Nanette, I think we had to pivot and this entire year has been about pivoting and we're gonna have to pivot again once school starts. Wow, yeah. Yes. Uh, Primrose, to, to sort of build on what you were saying, I was just thinking about that last week actually because we didn't see my parents for a few months once the lockdown started. Um, not until my sister's birthday, I believe, which was almost July. And um, because again, underlying conditions, elderly, and I thought about that last week and it's like, you know what? I'm not gonna get to see my parents once these kids go back to school because I just, I can't risk it. And that really was hard to accept and to wrap my head around because yeah, it's hard. I'm not looking forward to that transition to this different bubble at all, really. Yeah, but it has to be done to be safe. Yeah. No, a lot of, a lot of different things to consider. I mean, who would have ever thought going back to school? I mean, it was a big deal, right? Going back to see your friends. And now it's like, well, with anything, with any event, even if you go out to a restaurant, it's like, well, you know, um, it, it didn't, it's super hard. I don't know why this conversation just got so melancholy now. I think it's time for a joke, Robin. <laughs> oh. 
I, like I was sitting here like, and there were, uh, like, because I don't get to see my family at all, right? They live on the other side of the world. And I used to go back every year and I was going to go back in April and I'm not there. And I was like, the other day I was like, shit, am I ever going to see my mum again, right? I don't know, right? Because Australia is talking about keeping their borders closed until at least the middle of next year at the moment, maybe longer. And theoretically, I could as an Australian go back, but hey, then I'm quarantined for two weeks and then I'm there and then because I'm on a work permit, then do I get to come home? So um, I think we have to, like for me, I have to sit and look at, I have an amazing group of people in my life some I can see physically and some I have a phenomenal relationship like this. And it was just recently because uh, we've always run training online and I saw someone in person that I had done training with. Admittedly, they were like over there and we both giggled because we went, oh, you have legs. And I, I think in thinking about that, We've got a whole lot of people that, I mean, truth be told, if I stood up, I've got sports shorts on, right? Because I'm like, yeah, why do I need my suit pants on? Nobody's seeing them. Um, so we've got, we've got this world where we've got people that, you know, look like this and then all of a sudden people are going to meet them in the future and go, oh, that's what your body looks like. So there's as much of a joke as I can give you right now. But uh, maybe it's good, you know, I'm going to, you know I'm always going to say this, maybe it's good for online dating because I'm like, look, super cute, you just can't see the rest, right? And then you go out and you're like, oh, that wasn't what I was expecting. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, we'll we'll talk about dating and relationships. Well, we've had that conversation too, Robin, but... uh, Anyways, um, it, it's, it's just been so wonderful, like I said this in the beginning. Um, I would like to continue this. I know we're at 30 shows. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, um, and it might, and I will, it, it will kind of morph or pivot into something, I'm hoping, a little bit more live. And, and okay, I might not be able to get Cynthia in the studio, but um, certainly any one of you. Um, you know, creating, we're creating a safe, a safe place. Um, uh, one thing, we will still remain on Tuesdays, but I have to move it to 1130 because some of my crew have gone back to school. So they've got some classes and anything. So I hope 1130 works for all of you ladies. And I'll send a big note out to all the other ones that, uh, that have joined our conversation. And so we'll see you next Tuesday. Back to school. I think this conversation is going to continue. <laughs> I think maybe Su- uh, Susie, could you be our, our correspondent down there at, at the school grounds and <laughs> give us a report on how they're going one by one with their masks on and their backpacks and hand sanitizers. And uh, oh, and I want to add too. I heard um, some of the high schools, uh, and you probably know this too, Primrose maybe too, or or. Um, Susie too so the kids won't move but the teachers will move so that's one kind of thing so you're not having 
hundreds of kids going into the like that's what my first thing is like how are they going to change classes and walk through the halls um and then the lunchroom will be staggered times with the, within the classroom so a new norm so that was something going oh okay but uh like you said we can pivot we can morph we can we're resilient we have empathy we have courage and we have acceptance without understanding, but then building towards acceptance with understanding. I love that, Cynthia. So stay safe, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll see you back next Tuesday at 1130. Okay. <laughs> Bye -bye. Happy belated, Tracy. Oh. <laughs> happy belated birthday. Thank you. Are we singing before we go happy on? Happy birthday. Ready? Sing. Everyone off mute. Everyone off mute. Come on, here we go. Ready? <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, yeah, it was the best, worst, happy birthday ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bye. Bye, guys. Bye, bye guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ILikeQ.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.